0: Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately, we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Here in the studio with Lou Burdett. Lou is the president of King's Home. And prior to this, he enjoyed a 13-year career with Books of Million, holding several executive management positions, including executive vice president and chief operating officer, as well as serving on the Books of Million board of directors. From there, he ended up going into a nonprofit that he launched called Kindred, and he served in that role for a while until he became the president of King's Home. Uh, and he's been in that role since October of 2002. Lou, it is an honor to have you here today.
1: Wow, I can't believe I've been at King's Home for 18 years. That's a, that's a, almost not, That's a long time. So, Matt, thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, really honored to be here. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, as we were talking uh, a couple minutes ago, interesting transition from a major corporation to the nonprofit space. And obviously there are some similarities and differences. Uh, kind of tell me a little bit more about... Uh, how you made that transition, why you made that transition, and and kind of what that looks like.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't give anything for the 13 years I had at Books A Million. It was a great experience. It was uh, fun being a part of an organization, a company uh, like that that was experiencing a lot of rapid growth growth. Big box stores were uh, exploding in the 80s, late particularly the late 80s. We opened our first superstore in 1987, called Books a Million, and that ended up being our, our corporate name that we went public with a few five years later, and uh, instantly we knew that uh, big box format was uh, the right thing for. Uh, book retailing at that time, Barnes and Noble was coming on the scenes. Borders had their store up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we started opening these stores all over the south and and had mergers and acquisitions and going public and and i always say I, I learned more in 13 years than i could have learned in 30 years uh anywhere else uh, particularly all the just business experience gained from uh, being a part uh, of all that really uh, amazing incredible growth that books a million went through particularly mm-hmm. in the in the early 90s mm-hmm. um when I joined the company, we were doing about $30 million in, in volume, and when I left, we were doing $350 million, so, wow. um, you know, a lot of growth Absolutely. <laughs> in 13 years, so it was fun.
0: So when you left there and decided to go into nonprofit, what, what did that look like? What, what led you to do that?
1: Boy, God just opened the door to be a part of King's Home Team. I remember when I got the call. I remember what I was doing. I remember where I was sitting, and a friend of mine called me and knew that I was transitioning um, uh, and said, hey, Lou, I don't know what the next chapter uh, of your life is going to be, but he said... I there's go, there's going to be an opening at, at King's home and I don't know if you have any interest in that at, or or not but maybe something you want to take a look at and when as he was talking with me it was like god was just pounding on my heart I, I mean it was it's was like I just knew that that was going to be the next chapter and um, and like I said at the beginning I, ne- I never dreamed that that now uh, almost 18 years later I, I would be um sitting here with you talking about king's home
0: wow that's awesome and so sometimes he he calls us to something that we weren't expecting but you yeah know, he never gives the opportunity and yeah uh, we just get to walk it out and and you know, next thing we know, we're we're having a lot of fun, kind of like this. I, yeah. know, I had no idea that I would ever <laughs> have a podcast, but um, it was something that he called me to do, and so part of the journey, right? That's right. It's a lot of fun. Um, and you mentioned the similarities between
1: books a million and, and running a nonprofit. I mean, you know, King's Home is a over a, over a seven and a half million dollar nonprofit today. Mm-hmm. That's pretty large. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so all that business experience um, is, is valuable to bring to King's home. Um, uh, nonprofits need to be run like a business. We need to be good stewards with, with every penny. Uh, we need to have sound financial, uh, practices. Matter of fact, uh, we're going through a national accreditation process that we just completed yesterday. And one of the things that they, uh, were complimentary on of, of, of a lot of areas, but, but one particularly was, uh, how sound we were financially um, at King's home. And so you know I hope that establishes a, a lot of trust uh, with mm-hmm. us with the community that they know that that King's Home is the kind of uh, nonprofit uh, Christian nonprofit that mm-hmm. they can trust.
0: I think that that's extremely important because you know there are a lot of options when somebody's looking to, so into the kingdom or whether they're looking to give back or, you know, place dollars with, with their church or, or wherever that may be. And I think that, that that financial responsibility, that stewardship element where, you know, you can show these are where your, your dollars are going. And, you know, this is the, the fruit behind your giving. And, you know, if, if somebody can't see where their dollars are ending up if they're not seeing results from the the things that are being done then they'll stop giving and that's not good yeah
1: and so you know i think donors expect nonprofits to be good stewards And then the other thing is, are they making a difference in somebody's life? And, and as we were wrapping up yesterday, we had these two ladies that came in from the from the West Coast, and they were wonderful. They had been involved in the nonprofit world, so that was comforting to us. And they had even been involved with Christian uh, nonprofits uh, along the way, and going through this national accreditation. I mean, we were we were judged and and on, on over a thousand standards um, mm-hmm. but at the very end both of them sort of got teary and and said you, you know the thing that means the most out of of all the things that King's home is doing right mm-hmm. is that you know we saw um, unequivocally how God is changing people's lives at King's home and that's mm-hmm. that's what it's all about that's the only reason mm-hmm. y- you know we want King's home to exist if mm-hmm. if if Yes, we do all of these great services, and we do all of these wonderful things for abused youth and moms and Mm -hmm. kids, and have been doing it for 45 years. Mm -hmm. You know, for 45 years, most Mm -hmm. of the community is known as the King's Ranch in Mm -hmm. Home. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, we just shortened our name a little bit, and, Mm -hmm. and now it's King's Home, but it's the same great ministry uh, that that people can trust and invest mm-hmm. in the lives of, of youth and moms and kids that mm-hmm. need a way to start over in life and need to find hope and and need to find opportunity. There's one kid in my office the other day, and he said, you know, because school's just starting, he said, Mister Lou, I never dreamed that I'd be able to play football, and he's starting at Vincent High School. Wow. And you know, that's just something simple, you know, just to be able to play football. Of course, we want to see the eternal heart change, right. you, you know, right. that that it's change for eternity and we see that too. You know, but it's all important for the kids to to have um, success in school, have success in extracurriculars, mm-hmm. but also have success in their spiritual walk and know that God's there for them. And one of the first things that we share with all of our residents is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, mm-hmm. that God has a plan and a hope and a future for your life. And what you experienced, the horrible abuse, mm-hmm. uh, the devastating abuse that you suffered uh, as a young kid or as a young mom, whatever the situation might be that that uh, you know, that's not God's plan for your mm-hmm. life. And, and while you're at King's Home, discover what that is, mm-hmm. uh, because you have every opportunity in the world to do that.
0: it's extremely powerful and i know that there are so many people that allow their circumstances to define them uh, they have tragedy that you know that that set back ultimately just keeps them stuck where they are and you know you've got a very powerful testimony where you had that opportunity you could have a just completely given up in in the situation you could have just said i'm done i know i can't do this and uh, but then also you could have questioned, you know, the goodness of God. You could have questioned uh, why did this happen to you? And so just walk us through the the testimony that um, that I read earlier. And Matt, I did all of that. Okay. <laughs> so so, um,
1: you know, when I was 15 years old, um, I was kidnapped um, for ransom. Um, you, you know, it was it was. Um, one of those unexplainable things uh, that happen to you in life and certainly growing up in a small East Alabama town and in Roanoke you never dreamed anything uh, you know bad would ever happen to you and I was certainly one of those teenagers that n- never thought anything would, would would bad would happen to me and um, but through that experience and, and you know we'll share more about it uh, as we go along but it, it really has um, given me a connection to the youth and moms and kids at Home because all of our residents have experienced pain and suffering and disappointment loss. But you know, there's not a listener in your audience, Matt, that hasn't experienced pain and suffering and disappointment Mm -hmm. loss, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we all have. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have that common thread Mm -hmm. that everything in life hadn't gone our way, right. you know, and, and sometimes it's, you know, tougher than others. Mm-hmm. And certainly, um, what happened to me as a 15 year old teenager, um, w- w- was as tough as it gets. And so I was leaving my dad's, uh, uh, store grocery store. on, uh, my dad owned a small town independent grocery store mm-hmm. and, um, leaving work that night. And, um, Cross this dark back alley street behind my dad's store. Uh, two guys approached me in the middle of the street as as I was walking across. Uh, asked me a couple of you know sort of silly questions just to distract me. Uh, pulled a gun on me at gun gunpoint, forced me uh, into their car, one on each side of me into the back of their car, and off we went. And it happened about that fast. And uh, as we were driving away out of uh, out of town, and uh, Ro- Roanoke's already in rural Alabama. You leave the city limits and you're out in the country, mm-hmm. and and we're driving either even further. I mean, we're, we're ending up in, in the boondocks. Mm -hmm. And so as we're driving along, they're telling me that they're kidnapping me for ransom and, and they're intent on getting $250,000 from my dad that night. Mm And, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm 15 years old, but I know enough to know that, that, you know, nobody's going to have $250,000 sitting around at home. Right. Mm -hmm. And that they don't have a good plan. Right. And, um, you know, but I never thought they were going to hurt me as, as we were driving away. Um, you know, I, knew, I knew what they wanted. I, I knew what their purpose was. I really at that point didn't think they were going to hurt me, uh, but that's not where the story led. Um, we end up really out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they pull down this uh, uh, dirt road, about a mile down this dirt road, n- nothing on it but one shack, uh, and um, that was back up at the top of the uh, where we pulled off the the main road or the paved road is <laughs> much more than the paved road so we're in the middle of nowhere they order me out of the car still at gunpoint we walk about uh 30 yards off off of this dirt road standing in this clearing area but again I mean we're literally in the middle of nowhere just standing uh out off this dirt road amongst trees and and all so they tell me to stand there, and within seconds, they bash in the back of my head with the butt end of the gun, mm-hmm. crack my head open, I feel the blood gushing, almost knocks me out, I fall to the ground. Within seconds, um, one of the guy's fists slams into my chest. I know that I've been stabbed. I can, you know, I feel mm-hmm. the sharp, piercing pain. I feel the blood spilling out over mm-hmm. my stomach. Um, and I, I roll over, uh, and they stab me three more times in my back. Mm-hmm. Um and and then within just a a few more seconds one guy's on one side of me one's on the other they they're lifting me up under my armpits and they're dragging me and I'm thinking like where are they dragging me to and and after just a few yards I'm falling and and I thought they've like dumped me over a ditch or something but I'm falling but I'm not I'm not landing and, and I'm and, and I'm going further. And what they have done is they had dumped me in an old timey water well. There was there was nothing there but a hole in the ground, but at one time Uh, There had been, I guess, a a structure, a home or something Mm -hmm. there, a cabin, um, and there were these broken up pieces of foundation, and uh, water was still in the bottom of this Mm -hmm. well, and and that's what I splashed into Mm -hmm. in this mud and muck and water 30 feet under the ground. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'm thinking, you know, okay, well, they've they've cracked my head open, they've stabbed me, they've thrown me in this well, they're going to leave me. Well, they shine a flashlight on me. They can tell I'm still alive. And so um, to try to cover me up, they take broken pieces of this foundation, what must have been some cabin or something at, at some point. And these huge chunks of like brick and mortar cement kinds of things. And they began dropping those on top of me to try to cover me up. And, you know, when you drop dead weight that's, uh, you know, really heavy, it feels like a sledgehammer just pounding the back mm-hmm. of my head and, and back. And and so uh, they're still shining the flashlight, and these big chunks would just fall off of me into into the water. And the water's about chest deep, and I'm just sort of mired up in it. I'm sort of sitting mired up in this mud and mucking and water. And... Um, so they see that that doesn't work to cover me up. So uh, their intent was that this stuff would just push me under and really just drown me. And so um, they're still shining the flashlight, and then they begin to shoot. Boom, the first shot misses. It, sh- it hits the whale right beside me on the on the right side. The second shot hits right between my legs. doesn't hit me, but it was right between my legs. Third shot misses. But the 4th Dutton doesn't, it, it um, rips into the back of my head. And at that point, they did leave me for dead. I could mm. hear them um, uh, leave. They had a, a, I'll never forget, it was a, a light blue uh, Mustang Mach 1 with a loud muffler, boom, 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 boom. Mm. And I could hear uh, the car leave and mm. go back up this dirt road. Uh, from the uh, from the direction that we came and and they left me for dead. So when you said you know uh, questioning God and giving you know in the bottom of that well believing that I was going to die and of course I tried every imaginable way to get out, that that I I was scratching, I was clawing, I was pushing, I was pulling, anything I could think of to try. I'd put my feet against one side of the well, my back against the other, and I'd try to scooch you up, and I'd just fall right back down. And I'd do this over and over. And so in a lot of ways, I I had given up, and I was questioning God, you know, why me? And, you know, after a while, I'd been in that well, you know, probably an hour, and I said, you know, If if I'm going to die in the bottom of this well, this is a silly way to go. And I'd only been a Christian for about 10 months, Mm. um, was saved at a Kumbaya youth retreat Mm. at Camp Sumatonga outside Mm. of Gadsden. And God just moved on our youth group Mm. in a really powerful way Mm. uh, the February before that. But I was one of those kids that grew up in church. God was always important to me uh, growing up. I certainly wasn't a perfect kid, yeah. uh, got in my share of trouble, a uh, normal teenager, mm-hmm. um, you know, but um, but God was always uh, important. I can't ever remember a time in life that God wasn't important to me mm-hmm. um, and just felt like that that was just Woven into my heart, and and you know, one of those kids that was in church every Sunday, mm-hmm. and uh, with my mom, my dad had a strong work ethic. My mm-hmm. mom had a, a strong spiritual ethic, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, I was learned to work hard with my dad, and and uh, be in church every Sunday mm-hmm. uh, with my mom. And, and and my dad found that years later too. But you know, I started thinking. I said, "This is you know, this is a stupid way to die." Questioning mm-hmm. God and crying out to me, "Why me?" Mm-hmm. And having a Good old pity party. I was really having a good old pity party yeah. in the bottom of that well, and and um, I said, you know, I'm going to reflect on the uh, wonderful life that I had lived, if only for 15 years, and that's what I started doing, and 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 appreciating God transforming my life that feb- cold February night before uh, at Camp Sumatanga, and and growing up in church, and I sang every song that we mm-hmm. learned in church, and mm-hmm. And um, and I, I even remembered Miss Stevenson's Bible memory class that my mom made me go to as a little kid. And, you know, Matt, it was complete torture to sit in school all day on Mondays and then know that after school on Monday afternoon, I had to walk up to the first Methodist church mm-hmm. and memorize Bible verses with about 12 mm-hmm. girls. Mm-hmm. And it was me. And I would beg my mom every month please don't make me go Mm. memorize Bible verses. Mm. Um, And it's just me and and all these girls. And, um, you know, but I wouldn't have given anything in the world for having those verses in my heart that night. And so I began to recite them just like I was singing those songs and, and praying to God and really having to. A praise and worship time in the bottom of that well. uh, I started reciting those Bible verses, and the one that meant the most uh, that we had to memorize in the bottom of that well was the 23rd Psalm. And when I came to the fourth verse, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because He is with me. You are with me. And, you know, from that point on, even though I still believed I was going to die. I quit worrying about dying so much. And I released all of that and said, "Okay, God, you just have your way because I know
0: you're here with me in Mm -hmm. the bottom of this well. So at at that point, you you knew no matter what, you were surrendered. I'd surrendered. and,
1: And, you know, I had and in some ways I really had given up on the hope or the idea of getting out of that well, I just, they wasn't a way. And, and Matt, I was so far gone. I was so near death that I couldn't sit up straight. Mm-hmm. And, and what would happen is, is I would lose consciousness and I would slide under the water. And I really thought that's how I was going to die is, is I would slide under the water and and wouldn't regain consciousness Mm -hmm. and I would just drown or, Mm -hmm. or just die. And, and that was happening over and over. And it was so hard to get up. I mean, I was losing a lot of blood. I was in severe shock. I didn't know any of this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just, I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to survive, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and another thing that I, I mean, and I shared that with our residents at King's home Mm -hmm. are because so many of them in the, in the devastating abuse that they have Mm -hmm. suffered, you know, they're just trying to survive. Mm. They're just trying to make it. Mm. And, um, you know, we share that in common mm. and um, knowing what it what it feels like to be in those moments mm. where, you know, I just can't take this an, uh, another minute. I can't mm. take this another moment. I'm not going to survive this, mm. you know, for for another minute. And that's sort of where I was. And one of those times I slipped under and, and sometimes I'd just have my mouth out of the water. Mm. It, 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 I couldn't even get back up straight. I was mm. so really near death. And and so one of those times I slipped under the water, I reached up to try to get back up straight and I would have to sort of scooch up to even get back up straight and my hand went in a hole. Mm. My right hand went in a hole, and it was above my head. And I thought, well, oh, well, this is good. I can, I can hang on to that, mm. and um, and did, and, and that kept me up straight. Mm. And then after a couple of minutes, I thought, whoa, I wonder, is there a way that you know I could get my foot in there? And I was just praying like crazy. God, give me a way mm. to. I didn't have the strength to do yeah. it. There's no way I had the strength. Mm. God, give me the way to get my foot in that mm-hmm. hole. And he did. And today, that's why second Corinthians twelve nine means mm-hmm. so much to me is that mm-hmm. when we're the weakest, mm-hmm. we surrender to him. He's the strongest. Mm-hmm. And Matt, I'm telling you, there's just no way I should have been able to get out of that well. I didn't have enough strength to sit up straight and was sliding under the water and much less the strength to pull up and get my foot in that hole and then i began to find these other holes and this was a deep well um it, it was a 30 foot well and um and and i found another hole on one side and another hole. and i get my foot in that one and i'm just praying god give give me away you know give me a way to get out and that's what happened all the way out i would find one hole and then and then eventually i'd find another and then eventually i'd find another because there, there were these holes I didn't know, uh, but um, that were purposefully sort of scooped out the side of uh, just in the dirt Mm. so that um, if anybody needs to get in and out of a well to sort of clean it out or if an animal gets in the bottom Mm. of it or something, I had no idea. I'd never been in a well before. Um, God gave me the strength to get out of uh, that well and, and, um, you know, I was... I was super relieved um, at the moment that um, I rolled out the side of that well, but still didn't believe that you know I was going to make it. All I knew is it was where, where I was laying on the ground <laughs> at, at the mouth of that well was mm-hmm. better than being at the bottom of it. Right, and that maybe somebody would find me. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept praying, I was, mm-hmm. "Lord, you know I, I know you just don't want me to lie here and mm-hmm. die." So. All I could think of is uh, I saw this shack was literally a shotgun house mm-hmm. shack, little cabin, about a mile back up this mm-hmm. dirt road uh, where we pulled mm-hmm. off the paved road mm-hmm. and and I b- just started praying God give me a way to make it back up mm-hmm. to that shack. I, I that was the only thing I could think of. To mm-hmm. I saw lights on, I saw cars outside, mm-hmm. and had no idea what who was there, what 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 I might encounter, but mm-hmm. but. Um, that was the just the next part of this journey, is, mm. and it took me two hours just to crawl a few feet or a few inches at a time back mm. up this dirt road. I would again, I was so close to death that I would lose consciousness. I'd have to stop, mm. and um, and literally lying in this dirt road, just crawling up at a few feet or a few inches at a mm. time. I made it to the ditch in front of this cabin. This Shack, shack. Really, I mean, it's still there today. Uh, I'm, I'm lying in this ditch, and, and, and there's a hill that goes up to this, this cabin, and I just think I can't make it another. Mm. I mean, everything I mean, my body was mm. exploding. Um, you you know, the pain was just off the charts Mm. and, um, and I I couldn't make it another Mm. inch. And so I'm lying in this ditch and I said, well, God, thank you for bringing me this far. Mm. I'll just die in this ditch, but at least somebody will find me. And I mean, that was really my mindset. I mean, all these things were going through my head. And then I heard this car coming on from the paved road, Mm. boom, 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 boom. And it sounded like those guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking. Oh, you know, God, please, you know, one more burst of strength to to make it up on this porch and and, and was only about 20 more yards, Mm. 20 or 30 more yards. Please give me the strength to make it up. And he did. That was the final burst of energy. Mm. Made it up on this porch, banging on the door. Mm. I heard that car now getting closer and closer. I'm scared out of my mind. Mm. It could be those two Mm -hmm. guys again that had kidnapped me, and um, and so uh, they opened the door, and you can imagine what I look like, covered with mud and blood and muck, and you know they think I'm some drunk drug crazed lunatic they try to push me out and I say no and I I just fall in the door and start crawling in as they try to push me out and I said no I've been shot and stabbed and somebody tried to kill me Mm. and I just kept on crawling in this door Mm. and so they sort of were listening I said it over and over I've been Mm. shot and stabbed somebody tried to kill me I need help Mm. and that car was getting closer and closer I could hear it now pulling up in the driveway I kept crawling in and there was an old pot belly stove Mm. in this shack uh, Mm. over to the left side of the room I was freezing, shaking uncontrollably. Mm. I crawl over next to that potbelly stove, and in come those two guys. Um, wow. And they're standing in the door, and I scream. You know, those are the guys that tried to kill me. And I had no idea where I had crawled into was one of the guys. This was his family, and they were having an after. Uh, christmas wow. um christmas gathering because uh, this was friday night december the 27th 1974 so two days after christmas this family was having a, a, a family gathering for for christmas mm-hmm. and there were about 12 people there and um you know this one. This one guy. The family. This was his grandmother's house, and he's supposed to be there. And in they walk, and they see me lying on the floor. And of course, I s You know, when I scream and say those are the guys that tried to kill me, they run, and and left. Mm-hmm. I was so relieved uh, when they left uh, because all I could, all that was going through my mind is, man, they're they're going to get me, and they're going to dump me back in that yeah. well again. Mm-hmm. I had no idea this was their you know, one of the guy's family, this is his grandmother's house, and his mom was standing there. So mom and grandmom and other family members were watching all of this unfold. And I knew that something was off because nobody was trying to help me Mm. immediately like Mm. you would think that Mm -hmm. they would. But there was an off-duty policeman from Atlanta that took charge of the situation started trying to get me help. Mm. This Matt, this this place was so far in the middle of nowhere mm. that um, they were trying to call an ambulance. The first ambulance got lost and, and the second ambulance finally arrived about two hours later. Mm. And uh, they got me to ER. They took took about two hours to put me back together again. I'll never forget when they finally got me in the intensive care unit uh, later that night. It was 2 o'clock uh, on the wall, on the clock on the wall, and everything seemed to happen in about two-hour buckets uh, mm-hmm. that night. And it, it, so, the, the, you know, they doctors did their best to try to put me back together again. Mm-hmm. I was so far gone even then when they got me to the emergency room, the doctor who I knew was a small town, mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, doctor. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it had been our family doctor for years. And mm-hmm. I was one of those kids that was always getting stitches for something, mm-hmm. you know, being rambunctious and active. And mm-hmm. and uh, and also uh, he, he had already sewn me up a few times um, from from uh, different little, you know, play kind of accidents. So, um You know, but he put me back together and, and, uh, but he said, Lou, we're not going to be able to, you know, to put you under any kind of anesthesia or anything. Mm. All we can do, the best we can do is just give you a little bit of local um, numbness to do all the kinds of surgeries because you're too, you're too weak to survive. You you wouldn't survive being put under. After he finished, he told my parents I had about a five to 10% chance to make it through the night. Mm. Even if I made it through the night. I wouldn't live, but probably a couple of days that uh, I'd just lost too much blood. I'd have pneumonia from a, uh, I had a collapsed lung from one of the stab wounds. Mm. I'd have all this infection. Mm. I, I was in severe shock. He said, you know, Lou Lew, will just be too weak to survive mm. more than a couple of days, even if mm. he makes it through the night. Mm. And my mom, the fateful uh, woman that she still is today mm. at almost 99, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, her 99th birthday will be next month. Mm. Um, um, she put out prayer requests. I had mm-hmm. people praying everywhere, and just the power of God's prayer. Mm-hmm. There was, um, you know, there was really healing, complete healing from mm-hmm. all of that. There was no new, uh, there was no pneumonia, there was no infection, and I was out of the hospital in less than two weeks. Wow! And so, just one of those miraculous recoveries. Mm-hmm. Not only the, uh, you know, the, the God's miracle of getting me out of that well mm-hmm. and and everything else that transpired, but then. Mm-hmm to have no really lasting physical repercussions mm. other than the bullet still being in my chin today. Wow. Uh, they couldn't remove it. They said that uh, removing the bullet would cause way more damage mm. to my face and, mm. and facial muscles uh, than to just leave it there. and so. That's what I carry. That's the that, uh, the, uh, the stab scars and and the bullet wound scar. That's the other scar I carry from the experiences. Still having the bullet in my chin today.
0: Wow. Yeah. I was telling you beforehand that my grandfather passed away in Roanoke. So I've been to Roanoke many times, uh, lived in Dowie for a long time. So I understand the, 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 rural area. I understand, you know, small town and, and I also understand the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so there's so many miraculous elements to that story. You know, first of all, there's roughly eight hours of blood loss, yeah. you know, from, from all of these traumatic wounds. Um, you know, the blood loss in and of itself would have killed most people. Uh, a fall down a 30 foot well would have killed a lot of people being pelted with bricks and mortar would have, you know, finished a lot of people off. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm physically fit and crawling up a 30 foot well would be a challenge for me or anybody else. And you did this. With all of those things, the odds against you, I mean, if people don't believe in God, I don't know how they can hear your story and not have a change of heart because there's absolutely no physical way None. that you could have done any of those things on your own, but you did all of those things. And then once you got out of the well, you still could have easily just... Laid there because you'd had to have been physically exhausted oh, getting up to the to top, go. yeah, and then could have just laid there and died. But you know, to, to crawl another two hours back to that shack, and then I mean, I mean, there are no coincidences. Um, to end up the only place that, that there was was their family's house. It is one crazy story, but God is using it and has used it so that you can now speak into these people's lives that have experienced similar trauma maybe not to the full extent maybe some worse
1: way worse
0: but (laughs) you my my trauma happened
1: in in, you know really a matter of minutes. Right. You know, you think about, okay, well, they, they, you know, they cracked my head open, mm. they stabbed me, you know, they threw me in a well, they dropped this stuff mm. on me, they shot me, mm. y- you know, and of course, losing the blood and the struggle mm. and all that mm. for a few hours. But, y- you know, some of the trauma that our mm. King's Home residents, mm. for years, mm. you know, the abuse, I mean, the gross mm. sexual abuse that they mm. experienced for years, mm. the, the, the physical abuse that they mm. suffer for years, mm. you know, <laughs> A lot rather for it to happen in you know mm-hmm. a, a few minutes than, mm-hmm. than the the horror of wondering you know when is this going to mm-hmm. happen to me and that's what our kids mm-hmm. and moms at at King's Home have experienced. Mm-hmm.
0: But I just I think it's a beautiful thing that you know as as bad as all that stuff was, you're still willing to share it if it helps other people, and and that's really what this show is all about. It's it's not people that haven't experienced obstacles, haven't experienced extremely difficult situations. But because of those difficult situations, they have been able to overcome. They want other people to get healed from hearing testimony. And, you know, obviously testimony builds faith. It builds strength. And, you know, so I appreciate you sharing all of this with us um, maybe one
1: one more thought Um, you know God's really got on my heart right now that you know maybe somebody that listens to this wants to give up on mm-hmm. something. Maybe mm-hmm. they want to give up on themselves. Maybe they want to give up on their life. Mm-hmm. And we can't ever give up. We have to persevere. Mm-hmm. You know, God is always there for us. And, and and our King's Home residents have said the same thing to me over and over and over again. Mr. Lee, when I came to King's Home, I had no hope. Mm-hmm. You may have listeners mm-hmm. uh, that are listening to this right now that say, I have no hope in my life. I want to give up. This is just too hard. It hurts too much. Whatever it is that they're experiencing, mm-hmm. it could be disease. It could be cancer. It could be the situation they're, they're in. It could be a lot of different losses that people think that that that, that mm-hmm. it's just too much to overcome. Mm-hmm. But I hope that something in this story knows that they can hear that God is there for you. Mm-hmm seek that out you know we can't ever give up he is there for us and with us no matter what we're going through and no matter what i hope that's what your listeners hear is don't ever give up he's there for you Mm -hmm. if you can't find it and you can't find that hope then go to somebody there's somebody in your life that can help you discover what call me at king's home
0: um let's let's find that hope together that is so good and and i definitely do think that there are a lot of people that that have given up that hope so uh, that is a critical message that jesus is the hope you know without him there's there's you, you know very minimal hope in this world because trials will come struggles will come and whether you believe in him or not those trials right. and struggles are still going to be there but with him we get that hope that allows us to persevere Uh, So if somebody wants to get involved with King's Home, if they want to give, what's the best way for them to to do that?
1: Yeah, go to kingshome.com. K-I-N-G-S-H-O-M-E, King's Home, all one word dot com. And, you know, look us up. It's the same great ministry that's been a part of the Birmingham community for 45 years, providing hope and opportunity for abused youth and moms and kids and moms coming out of domestic violence. We picked up one mom from um, Druid City Hospital in Tuscaloosa and face completely disfigured. Um, locked in a closet with her kids, three kids, days at a time. Can can, can you imagine what just the Mm. the hygiene issues of being locked in a closet with with no facilities for days at Mm. a time? and uh, that's what she had experienced and young mom and and um, when we picked her up um, after she had healed up for a couple of days I tell everybody we're not a hangout program Mm -hmm. you know everybody setting goals within Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. and so we asked Tessie said you you know what what's what's your goal Um, you know now that you have a chance to Mm -hmm. start over in life and Mm -hmm. find some opportunity she said wow you know I don't know it's always been a dream that I might Able to go to college one day, and all I know is I was good in math. You know, can I take a math class? Mm -hmm. And she did at Shelton State. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was on our Tuscaloosa campus. She ended up getting her master's in accounting with a full scholarship for everything because she made straight A's, and she was the first. Uh, person of any generation of, of her family to wow. ever attend college That's and awesome. um, you know what a what a great story for Tessie to have mm-hmm. overcome the horror of abuse that she had suffered mm-hmm. and her kids for years mm-hmm. and then to have that chance and, and, and Alabama ended up giving her a full scholarship for everything university job on campus, university housing. Mm-hmm. She eventually moved out of Hannah home uh, at the time and in uh, still King's home today mm-hmm. and You know, but um, that's the kind of hope and opportunity every mom. But she said more than anything, God Mm -hmm. changed her life through that whole Mm -hmm. experience. And not only did she excel in school and got a scholarship and a master's in accounting, Mm -hmm. but she had a real personal relationship with Christ and ended up years later coming back and working at the Tuscaloosa campus because she said, I just want to give back. Hopefully God will use me to make a difference Mm -hmm. in a woman's life like y'all helped
0: me do. Well, I know that this has been extremely encouraging and inspiring for me. So I know it's going to be encouraging, inspiring for our listeners. If if you like this episode, please like it and share it with your friends. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Living Life on Purpose. Our goal is to encourage people. The stories that you've heard today, uh, we want people to know that that people can go through extremely harsh situations and still come out better on the other side. So, Lou, thank you so much for being here. It's been a thrill, Matt. Thank you for having me. All right. Y'all check us out next time.